The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum. You are listening to Inspire FM 105.1. This is the Welcome to Islam show. I am your host today, Kerry Manon. I am from the Luton Revert Group. We, we take over this show uh, on the last Sunday of every month. Um, I'm sure you've, the listeners have heard me many times now and getting used to hearing my voice, but um, I would like to just tell you a little bit about Luton Revert Group. Uh, Luton Revert Group has been running for a bit more than two years and we were founded because we felt that uh, within Luton, although there's a lot of provision for uh, learning about the basics of the faith of Islam when you, when you get a new Muslim, um, there isn't always the social support for the challenges that new Muslims face. Um, so uh, Luton Revert Group, we meet once a month, usually on the first Saturday of every month. And um, we try to create a safe environment for all the new Muslims in Luton uh, to come along. We get to know each other. We're like a little family. And uh, we, we talk about Islam. Quite often we invite special guest speakers to talk about topics that are relevant to the new Muslim. And, um, and yeah, and we just get to know each other and, uh, and embrace our faith together. No matter what part of the journey you're on, with no judgment, it's a totally safe space. So today, uh, the topic we're going to discuss is a really difficult one. And I think uh, for myself and my two guests with me this evening, um, it might be a bit sore at points. Um, but inshallah, this is such an important topic. And that is about death um, from a new Muslim perspective. Um, death is something that comes to us all. And all of us will experience a loved one or a family uh, passing away at some point in our life so it affects all of us and death is a very personal thing and I think sometimes we find it difficult to talk about um, but there are certain challenges that come for the new Muslim um, when especially when um, an, a family or someone close to you passes away uh, that's not in a state of Islam um, you know it, it's, it's really difficult but this is such an important topic um, we usually try and keep our show quite light, but we did feel that this is such an important topic that we did want to, to discuss this today. Um, so I have two guests with me in the studio this evening. So I have Rosa, who we've met many times before. Assalamu alaikum, Rosa. Wa alaikum Thank you as always. Thank you as always, my dear sister, for being here with me. And today we also have someone who's new to the show. So please, uh, we will give our warmest welcome to our dear sister Freya. Assalamu alaikum, Freya. Assalamu alaikum, So uh, Freya hasn't been on the show before, um, but um, I think she's got some knowledge that she wants to and experience that uh, will bring a new light to the topic this evening um so uh, we really warmly welcome her and uh, actually freya would you like to introduce yourself for the listeners who haven't heard you before yeah no worries so salam alaikum everyone my name's freya and i'm from bedford um i found the loot and revert group earlier on this year actually at a eid malab where i met kerry and she introduced yes. me to everyone um, so I've come on the show today to talk about, you know, death and Islam, because I think it is quite an important topic that a lot of people do avoid talking about, even mm. though we all know in our heart and our mind that every soul will experience death and, you know, face it. 
So I reverted to Islam in 2016. Um, when I met, well, I met my partner in 2014, reverted in 2016 when we had a nikah. And since then, obviously, I've been learning on and off about Islam up until 2017, midway, when a lot of things started changing in my life and happening. And especially at the start of 2018, when I realised that my mother-in-law, who I will address on the show as my mum, because that's how she felt to me, um, got cancer. So she was diagnosed with cancer in April 2018. And at that point was when I thought, okay, I need to start learning, you know, more and more about Islam, about death, mm. about preparations, mm. just everything that is needed to know because it's going to happen to us all, yeah. especially when scary things like this happen. And she was such an important lady for you, wasn't she? So yeah. I suppose you kind of felt that you, you wanted to know as much as you could. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah she was she was really an important lady. She was like my own mum. When I was growing up, I obviously I lived with my mum when I grew up, but it was... You know, a tricky relationship that I won't go into too much personal details about. Alan knows, and that's that's mm. the main thing. But when I obviously met my mother-in-law, she was like my own mum. We had the most amazing bond. She treated me like her own daughter. She gave me that much love that when she first got diagnosed with cancer, I wanted to quit working and just care for her because I thought I just need to be by her side mm. and just look after her and make sure she's okay. And literally all the nurses everyone in uclh hospital who were amazing they all thought i was their daughter every time they'd ring me is that lucky's daughter Aww. you know things like this we've got something to tell you about your mom or things like that and it was just amazing and it was at that point when even though we were all making dua you know that mum was to get better was mm-hmm. to recover from the yes. cancer we also had to have it in our minds that what would happen if she did pass away mm. so we would sit there and we'd talk about it and she was open and honest you know about it as well and she said look if it happens to me it happens she'd accepted it she'd the moment you know she was born muslim but the moment that she got it in her head what i mean is like when she submitted herself to Allah mm-hmm. she knew you know there'd be a time where she'd go so she was yes. like when allah takes me it's all in the dhikr of allah mm-hmm. and it was yeah it's just nice so we'd sit together and we'd talk about islam about what happens in everything, not just death, everything in Islam, mm-hmm. even how you go to the toilet, how you pray. We'd, I'd stand behind her and she'd teach me how to pray. She'd teach me du'as during uh, Ramadan time. She'd teach me how to fast, the du'as, how you open your fast, um, the namaz that you do during Ramadan time as mm-hmm. well afterwards. And just literally everything that I know she taught me. And I think that was that brought us an even closer bond because yes. of the fact that we were learning you know, together about Islam, because yes. every day, no matter if you're born in it or you revert You're always it, learning. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just every day we were together, we were learning, and just, yeah, that's just what made our bond so special, just Islam and, you know, Aswan Talib bringing us together. It was it was definitely meant to be. Yeah, mashallah, she sounds like an amazing lady because yeah, not only, you know, she accepted you as her daughter-in-law, mm-hmm. as a new Muslim, which, you know, is something to be said for that. Um, you know that you know that she she had the strength of character and she didn't shy away from showing you Islam and true Islam. She opened her heart to you, and uh, you know that, mashallah. You know, yeah. may Allah grant her jannah for this. I mean, yeah, cause that that is one thing. It's that when people you know from a different race or you know culture or someone is bringing in a non-Muslim into their family, they're a bit. Mm you know, worried about it, you know, a bit yes. sceptical, you don't know mm-hmm. what this person's going to be like, but with her martial arts, she just, 
she was open to everyone. She had friends from all races, all cultures, all religions as well. Yeah. But she'd still talk to them about Islam, but not, you know, force it upon them. Just talk to them about it in general, you know, in general ways. And she, there was a couple of people who were non-Muslim that she spoke to who reverted to Islam as well. Mashallah. And she was just so open because she just followed the way of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the mm. way he acted, the mm -hmm. way he was open towards everyone, supported everyone. And yeah, just gave out her knowledge and advice. And yeah, just inshallah she'll get the reward for that. So I'm going to keep the kind of topic this evening quite fluid. Um, and, you know, there's just so many questions. Um, and we don't aim to answer all of the questions this evening because it is only an hour show. Mm -hmm. um, but we might just touch on a few things because there are so many things. So I've kind of got a little list here about, mm -hmm. you know, what happens when we die from the exact point of death? Are we ever forgiven eventually? Um, what what family can do when we've passed away? Are we allowed to visit the grave? What happens to reverts who pass away whose family don't know they were reverted? You know, there's there's just so many questions, um, and like I said, I don't think we're going to answer everything, um, but you know, we'll 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 carry on a discussion, and um, you know, we'll t try and touch on as many of those points as we can. Um, so, Rosa, would, have you got any experience that you would like to? Um. Well, um, this this topic is very important to me, mm. um, in particular because um, going back to when I became Muslim, that was in 2012, and uh, um, it was a joyous occasion, and uh, I was looking forward to, to Ramadan, my first Ramadan mm. as a Muslim, uh, and uh, and to actually experience it. From being on on the on this side of the fence, so yes. to speak, yes. rather than being on the other side, um, but within the two first two weeks of uh, of Ramadan, I had news from from a family that my my mother had been quite ill. Uh, they've been uh, playing it down and obviously didn't want to worry me too much. Yeah, especially, I suppose, because of the distance, the distance because you were here in the UK and your family's back in Italy. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why they sort of hadn't, they played it down, they hadn't said anything to me. And then obviously when uh, when they told me, it was pretty much um, last, you know, last ditch scenario yeah. kind of thing. It was by then. It was too late. Within the space of having hearing the news and telling my boss, I need to take leave. I don't know when I'm, go you know, how long I'm going to be gone for. My mother is very ill. Within the space of one hour, I had the news that she had passed away. Oh goodness! So I was on my way home. Um, literally within the space of hours, um, I, we had uh, packed our suitcases and literally thrown things in, mm. um, booked the flights out. And uh, and uh, midday the next day we were there. Um, in Italy, they're very quick organizing funerals. They're very much on the Islamic side, really. The way yeah. they do it, they bury people very quickly. Mm. Um, so they'd already seen the funeral, um, um, the funeral people about mm. it. They'd already organized it, and it was in two days' time. And literally, it was like within the space of three days, my mom was getting buried. So I didn't have anything to do. From that point of view but because we were out there um and i wouldn't have thought even at that point you would have known really what to do i mean you were so brand new right no, I, I mean i learned to pray yes that much i knew how to do yeah um you know and obviously i read the quran from cover to cover 
previously, you know, but before I became Muslim and I knew some things, but no, the, the, the last thing you do when you hear your mother is passed away yes. is go online and Google yeah. how, what do you do with funerals yeah, of non-Muslims. Yeah, because you have to deal with your grief. Yeah, yeah. but there was no time for my no. grief. There was no room for my grief. Just rush, rush. Everything mm. rushing around. Um, it was um, my, my sisters, my two younger sisters were pretty much wrapped up in their grief. Uh, in my case, I'm the eldest. Mm. And as the eldest, you're always the one in control. You're always the one in charge. And you're always the one that has to be there to support everybody, mm. everybody else. Mm. So two weeks into Ramadan and we weren't able to fast. We weren't able, so couldn't fast. Um, um, had to take relays to pray because none of the family knew we were Muslim. Uh, it wasn't the time no, to, to make that them, renovation. By yeah. the way, you know, yeah, drop that bombshell. <laughs> you know, converted to Islam. By the way, you know, hello, uh, you know, um, and uh, so we were taking turns to pray behind closed doors in the bedroom, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, it was—I don't know—it must have seemed very suspect. But you know, what can you do? Um, and but it also meant I had to go with my father to the funeral parlor to organize her gravestone. Those details mm -hmm. that my sisters couldn't even, you know, I was there to hold his hand. Yes, I was there to walk to the to the church for the cemetery for the funeral. I was there holding his arm mm -hmm. and walking with him. Mm -hmm. uh, there was that need for comfort, and my father is is the man of the family. He would not have. Um, he would not have surrendered himself to grief. That was that was the woman he was married to for 42 years. Mm. That was the woman who he had shared everything with, the one he nursed for 11 years when she was not well. He was the one that was always there for her, you know? Mm. Uh, so there were, that they had that kind of connection. Yeah. So I needed to be there for him. Yeah, and this kind of he makes me think asked. about, you know, we hear many times actually as, as new Muslims that um, we shouldn't uh, if a non-Muslim passes away we shouldn't uh, involve ourselves in that in that situation and you know just you know hearing this you know how can you not be there to support your father and his, his no way I, I in Islam you are to love and respect your parents yes regardless you love and respect them unless they unless they um, expect you to engage in uh, um, shirk. in shirk. Yeah. Then you you're there for them. Mm. Uh, my my father took ill earlier in the summer this year. Yes. And it was at the end of Ramadan, and I jumped on a plane. I was there at the hospital for him. Mm. I was there to 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 help him when he came home for a few days before I had to fly back. So you are there to love and respect your parents and do the best you can. Mm. I mean, nobody's a perfect child, but you can do what you can do. Yeah, and I, and I think that goes for actually anyone within your family, you know, a mm. sibling or an auntie or whatever. Mm. If, if somebody passes away, at the end of the day, we're all human beings mm. and Allah knows what was in that individual's heart. Yeah. Um, and uh, they might not be buried as a Muslim or they might not have had any understanding of the faith, but primarily we're human beings mm -hmm. and we all grieve. And for me, you know, when I hear this, oh, you know, we shouldn't partake 
in in uh, funeral rites, then it's like, well, yes, I understand that there's we should not do anything that is uh, against Islam. Yeah. Um, but 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 being a human, being a brother or sister, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, to yeah. to whoever it is who's grieving. Mm. For me, mm. you know that, you, and even just thinking about, you know, the not cutting ties. Yeah, no, you know, it's so important yeah. for us not to cut mm. ties with the family. Mm. And for new Muslims, you know, this is this is really pertinent. We should never cut ties with our family if we can help. We should no. obviously. No. There's always situations where whatever you know, there's people where they do lose touch with their family, or there's you know contention about their new religion. Obviously, this is yeah. things that happen. Mm-hmm. But as long as the new Muslim does their part mm-hmm. to maintain their ties with their family mm-hmm. you know for me part of not cutting ties is that if somebody in your family who was not a muslim passes away you don't then wash your hands of them okay. you still for me you, you you're there to support the family you're there to show your respect for the deceased it's, it's again as long as you're not engaging in something that is completely against islam yes then then obviously there are issues there. So, for instance, I mean, I knew enough, having taken Shahada, mm. I knew enough that you don't engage in activities that mm-hmm. will make you like uh, like um, like uh, non-believers, like yes. non-Muslims. Yes, yes. So, when I had to go to to church for the funeral, um, it would have been easier if I hadn't spoken the language. Because I could have said, well, I don't understand anything, so I can't actually even recite Partake. any yes. of it. Yes. I can't engage in any of those things. Yes. But because obviously I understood the language, I also I had to be seen also to participate. By the same time, I had to be careful of what I knew what was coming up. I knew what was going to be recited next. So I knew what mm. um, um, what I could say that was Islamic and what wasn't. Mm. And there are some some prayers in, Christi- in in the Christian religion that are very much like to ours, and they yes. are um, they they translate mm. in the concept they translate. You're not saying words that are shirk. You're not saying you're not ascribing partners with Allah. You know those sections, those part you will not say. You know, and so that much I did. Um, so it was, um, and also when you're when it's your own loved one that's mm-hmm. been um, that's been buried, your eyes, are, the, everybody's eyes are on you. Yeah, you're under scrutiny. That everybody will look at you, and, and even in Italy, the kind of adab that you display at a funeral and how you conduct yourself with mm-hmm. dignity mm-hmm. and grace mm-hmm. is is very important. There is no uh, sobbing your eyes out and and just you know it's it's about. Um, it's about enduring and it's mm. about saying goodbye in yeah. a dignified manner. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree um, with what you're saying and also going back to what you were saying about cutting ties with family. Yes. It's that even if you, you know, the family cut ties with you, then as long as you're trying, like you said, that's the main thing, mm-hmm. you're trying, you're showing them because, mm-hmm. you know, if you are a new Muslim, your family, they're not happy with you being Muslim and then you cut ties with them as well or, yes. you know, you slowly drift away, then that's more of an excuse for them to be like, see, then why are they Muslim if they don't want to talk to us? And it puts mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, stereotypical, you know... You've been brainwashed. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. It makes you... It looks like what happens on the media yes, when actually we yes. know that Islam is not about anything that is shown, obviously, on the media mm-hmm. and things like that. But actually, yourself not talking to family and just pushing them away yourself just show, like makes them think, oh, they're acting stereotypically. 
how we thought it would. It's not good for them to be in Islam. And you're not showing off Islam as a good thing either, which means, you know, it's not like you're not pushing anyone else to come towards it or actually open mm-hmm. up and see it. Whereas if you've got, for example, family members like my dad's side of the family, my nan, she saw that, you know, I'm Muslim, alhamdulillah, and she, at first she was obviously, don't get me wrong, she was a bit panicky, she was a bit worried. But, you know, after seeing my bond with, you know, my mother-in-law, who I, like I said, called mum earlier, mm. and seeing how I am with my husband and all my, you know, sisters-in-laws and brothers-in-laws, alhamdulillah, they're like my own siblings, the way yeah. they look after mm-hmm. me. After seeing the bond and seeing how much I came back towards family being mm-hmm. in Islam, she then decided, can I borrow your copy of the Quran and read that oh, just wow. to have a look? Yeah, exactly. Because it sh- like showing that, she saw how much closer I was coming to the family, whereas yes. before, you know, I was going out doing silly things and not spending mm-hmm. time with family. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it does. Yeah, and, the, you know, there's it's an important point. There is dawah in our actions, yeah. not just in our speech. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's I have to agree on that. That actually, that being being Muslim makes you brings you closer to family, it does. and and it does make you reach out more. Yeah, and try harder. So um, yeah, it does. It's true. Islam. Before I reverted to Islam, I would go out with friends and just do loads of silly stuff, not see family. The moment I actually reverted to Islam. I gained sisters, my sister-in-laws, mm-hmm. I've got three of mm-hmm. them, and mashallah, they're all amazing, they treat me like their own. I, I remember thought, meeting them, they came yeah. with you to one of our yeah. meetings, yeah. and it was so nice. Yeah. You missed that one, Rosa. Yeah, it was a few yeah, months ago, along. Freya came to one of our meetings here at the Della Road Community Centre, um, but she didn't just come by herself, she came with her crew. Yeah, <laughs> brought my crew, bring my crew everywhere with me, yeah, all yeah. the time. Yeah. And it was lovely, actually, because, you know, for them, I think as well, they were kind of, their eyes were opened as to what we were were doing and mm. you know what we were trying to achieve as a, as a group and what our meetings yeah. were about yeah um i think they were quite curious um you know and that's one of the things about luton revert group is we do really encourage the new muslims to bring their closest their nearest yeah. and dearest mm-hmm. to come along to the meeting because uh, i mean in this case it was your in-laws who are obviously born muslims yeah but um, there's also the side of, you know, for the new Muslim bringing their mom or their brother mm-hmm. who, or their friend, whoever they want to feel comfortable with, um, to, to actually show them actually that we're normal people. We're not doing anything suspect. Yeah. <laughs> we're just, you know, we're just meeting, talking about Allah, talking about our faith and, um, you know, just creating a community and just a yeah. really nice friendship and bond. And, and in that way, that in itself is kind of a way to break the ice with your family or friends yeah. Yeah. that actually Islam isn't anything to be scared about. Mm-hmm. You know, and there are other people accepting Islam. You're not the only black sheep in the family yeah. who's done this crazy thing. Yeah, you that's know. true. But also, I've, I mean, through the, through the years that we've had the group running, I've seen also um, uh, heritage Muslims coming mm. along and, and getting wishing benefit. that the meetings were open, yes. wishing that all the topics were available to them as well. Yes, because yes. We, we probably bring a fresh perspective mm. um, to to different topics that yeah. they don't necessarily see being covered. So, from- Especially because when you think about the challenges of today's society here as Muslims in the UK, mm-hmm. there are many challenges. And for us, we're kind of on the front line because we've come from that mm-hmm. and, you know, we've embraced Islam. And so that brings its whole, a whole other set of kind of perspective on, yeah. on how to deal with Islam in, in modern life. Mm-hmm. 
um, you know, and it's just one of the great things about our group, mashallah. I've actually signed up, I think, for a particular one on modern ethics that's coming up. It's a free talk that's going to be, I'm sorry, I'm plugging a completely different <laughs> event here, but um, <laughs> this is coming up. It's going to be uh, um, on the 19th of January, and it's uh, the, it's one of five free classes that they're going to be doing on, uh, on modern ethics. Oh, wow. So, um, and it's free. Yeah, that does sound good so as well. well. Where's that, Rosa? You have to go on Eventbrite and sign oh, okay. up. They say mm-hmm. Luton Sixth Form College. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, oh. So I can provide the link. Yeah, yeah, we'll put that show. link on the Facebook page we'll when we finished. Yeah. Um, so we actually, we've only got a couple of minutes before we go to our break. Yeah. Um, so we might as well plug our next meeting as well, hey, Rosa? Yes. <laughs> um, so we actually have got an interesting one coming up this month. So it's, it is on Saturday the 14th of December, um, 6 to 8 p.m. And this is actually an open event so everybody is invited um, but we do uh, ask that you kindly register your interest on Eventbrite just so that we can manage the numbers Um, so this is um, a talk by uh, a historian who's actually a revert himself um, I believe from a Greek background um, reclaiming our heritage and it's about how Islam has become part of Europe Um, and I think it's going to be really interesting talk it'll be here at the Dalla Road Community Centre um, and I think it will give a, a great perspective for new Muslims as well as the community about actually Islam isn't foreign to these parts and it's always been there in, in, in its parts. And it'll be interesting to see actually, you know, people consider the non-Muslim communities definitely consider Islam as the kind of stranger amongst us. But actually, there's always been some roots of Islam yeah. here in, in the UK and in wider Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so inshallah, he'll be talking touching on those kind of topics mm-hmm. so that is at the Dalla Road Community Centre on December the 14th that's a Saturday 6 to 8pm and like I said if you could just go on to our Eventbrite for Luton Revert group and book yourself a place for that please so we are coming up to the break um, inshallah if anyone wants to join in the conversation it is 01582 481 822 and we will resume after the break Assalamu alaikum you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast making available our popular programs from our daily broadcast on Inspire FM. Assalamu alaikum, dear listeners. So we're back on Inspire FM Live. Uh, this is the Welcome to Islam show. This is the platform for new Muslims within Luton to talk about whatever topics are currently relevant um, or you know pertinent at the moment. Uh, so I am Kerry Manan, your host today from the Luton Revert Group. And in the studio, I have Rosa and Freya. Assalamu alaikum. So... We, the topic for today has been about the new Muslim perspective on death. Um, thankfully, we haven't had any tears in the studio so far, uh, but there's time yet because obviously it is a very emotive topic. But it's something that we felt strongly enough about to actually come in this evening and spend this hour with you discussing about our own personal experiences. And they are personal experiences um, but we feel it's important to, to address these things. Um, you know, death comes to us all and um, for, um, and not just for ourselves personally and, and thinking about our own death, but our loved ones when they pass away, our friends and family. It, it's such a, a hard time. Um, I personally feel that, you know, for us having the gift of Islam does actually help us understand death uh, because we are told quite clearly within the Quran, you know, what, 
what the, our life is a test and you know what the purpose of our life is and what we can expect after death um so we actually have some reassurance there because we are told by our creator um you know what to expect but um it doesn't make it any easier in terms of grief um and and as a new muslim we face challenges anyway with the baggage that we bring um when we take uh, on this faith um you know many things that we've discussed on the show previously um but um it, we also have you know the dimensions within when our loved ones pass away you know how we can deal with that as new muslims without compromising our faith mm. um so you know um one of the things I wanted to talk about in this second half is um, how to deal with the passing or the illness of a relative or someone close to you. It doesn't have to be actually someone, a blood relative, um, but someone close to you who is ill or close to death and how, how we should go about dealing with this. Um, because for us as new Muslims, we don't go on this journey alone. And we one of the things that is heartbreaking for us, I have to say, from my own experience, is trying to drag our family and friends with us and they're just not getting it um you know we make so much dua you can't believe um for our family and friends that they will have this gift that we've been Mm. given because it is a gift Mm. um you know so one of the points that i wanted to make is that um one of the most important things that any human um at the end of their life is their state of submission to the creator in line with the amount of knowledge they have of the truth that's reached them um, you know, and I think this is quite an important point because not everybody um, knows about Islam mm-hmm. or people have a very negative perspective on Islam. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they still might have a connection with Allah in their heart, mm-hmm. you know, that might not be uh, v- um, expressed as Islam uh, in an outward fashion, but they might have Islam in their heart and only Allah knows. Um, so... The things that we can do as a new Muslim for our um, nearest and dearest when they are ill or close to death, the best, the best prayer that you can do is to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to create faith in their hearts mm-hmm. before they die. Um, because the, the greatest gift is to believe with the, with a conviction that there is no God but Allah and Muhammad, peace be upon him, is the final messenger. And a point I wanted to make about this is that this can be done in your own words with sincerity. You know, when we make du'a as new Muslims, we don't have to learn the Arabic du'as. You know, we can ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at any time to, you know, open the hearts of our loved ones to Islam. And for me, this gives me some comfort that, you know, I'm, I'm at least asking Allah because Allah hears all of our du'as. Mm-hmm. Um, but having said that it is the duty um of us to call people to the truth um and this is the best and most dutiful thing that you can do is to speak to your loved ones about allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and as new muslims this can be awkward (laughs) this can be awkward you know there can be a lot of kind of baggage that's gone along with us accepting islam and you never know when is the right time to bring this up as a, as a conversation starter. Mm. Um, you know, where do, you know, for some of us, it's, you know, we so long for our loved ones to come on this journey with us, but we just don't have the words. We don't know. We don't know how to start that conversation. We don't know what to say. Yeah. Um, do you have some experience of this, Freya? Um, yeah, I mean, when I first reverted... It was 
really awkward. It's not like you just sit there with a cup of tea and say, by the way, I'm Muslim, just no. to let you know, do you want to learn about Islam? Like, it's, <laughs> it's really like a hard thing to kind of oh, get yeah. into. So it's kind of I like you slowly... I couldn't that conversation <laughs> like, would go like, down. Like, with tea, what? Like, yeah, but, yeah. It's kind of like one of the things you have to, you know, slowly Bring get into. gradual, yeah. It's a lot easier for people who are born into Islam to, you know, all of a sudden put a headscarf on. Okay, yeah. they're born into Islam. They've got, you know, Muslim parents, so much easier. But to actually go in front of non-Muslims who know nothing about Islam... Yeah. And all they know is negative. Yeah, all they know is the negative, exactly. You know, what they see on the news mm. and, you know, the Facebook posts and things like that. Yeah. To then go in front of them and say... Yeah, I'm Muslim. Let me teach you. It is yeah. a big shock. You can't just. And the thing is, it, it that and way. the thing is, is even without the negativity, it's actually such a big thing to get past the ego. Yeah. To actually admit that actually there is a creator. That this this whole earth could not have happened by accident. Life mm. could not have happened by accident. But yet, you know, when you, you when you're out there, whether it's your your loved ones nearest dearest, or even just your work colleagues, you know, when you try and broach the subject of faith even no before you even go to the negativity of islam yeah just even touching on faith you know you seem like a bit like you know a weirdo you know or this bible basher or yeah. quran basher whichever or the subliminal comments because for some reason the seeing the hijab brings on concepts of uh, terrorism yeah. and brings on Submission. concepts of yeah. uh, of bombs and, and shooting people down and that sort of thing uh, you know, and I've kind of, uh, I'm looking at them and I'm thinking, you would not be saying that if I were wearing hijab. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this this hijab means curry. You know, oh, offensive. Yeah, yeah that's true. After they've looked at you and you're going, sweetheart. You know? yeah. So you get, you have to kind of get get past that and actually see yeah. that this the humor of it, that it's their own perspective that they're bringing to the plate. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with, with what you do or, or you know what you say is they bring preconceptions yeah that you but need to break for down. me for me it's the fact that we put so much in modern society we put so much emphasis on intellect yeah mm-hmm. and therefore intellect is telling them that you know god can't exist mm-hmm. you know they believe in science they believe in what they can touch and they believe that they've worked it out for themselves that is all a load of tosh and trying to break that down those barriers is so hard you know some people you can try and start a conversation and they are going to shut you down (laughs) so quick and it's heartbreaking for us it really is you know you know for a born muslim they've not really got anything invested in someone you know because their family are already muslim perhaps that you know there are obviously the people i don't want to trivialize the new muslim uh, the born muslim community and what you know challenges they have but they haven't got that kind of challenge where you know you're thinking about your mum yeah. and you're thinking about when she passes where she's going to go am I going to be with my no, mum in Jannah they don't have yeah. that not at all and so you, they haven't got the same investment as we have in trying to get these people to turn their hearts to Allah yeah mm-hmm. I remember when my um, dad he first saw me in a hijab and he said oh you're not um, you know turning Asian are you I said dad what are you talking about? It's not about telling Asian. I said it's about Islam. But obviously, at that point, obviously he's opened up to it now. You know, a bit more sees me in a hijab and things mm-hmm. like that. Sees my posts on Facebook sharing things about Islam. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mm-hmm. phase him anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, even mm-hmm. has a little like joke about things as well. Um, but at first, it was it was really difficult because 
it was mixing it with the culture rather than actually yeah, seeing Islam course, for itself. Because anyone could be a Muslim. It's not about no. the race or the culture. It's just getting that through to someone. And also with him being a big science like mm. geek, he, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he really was like, no, the Big Bang started it. You yeah. know, this, that and whatever. There's no oh, thing. You were start yeah. engaging him into string theory. Yeah, and yeah. but then I remember there was one time, it was um, a couple of years ago, he started saying that he was sure that there was something downstairs in his house banging cupboards. Mm-hmm. This is when he lived at his old house. It's quite an old house. Um, and he said, oh, I'm sure I could hear someone walking around downstairs, but I was on my own and I felt a bit freaked out. And I turned around and said, Dad, well, you know, if you don't believe in a creator, then how can you believe in these beings and that are around you? Mm. And then I think after that, his mind started opening up a little bit more. He won't admit it fully yet. No. <laughs> it's a slow yeah. process, but yeah. well, I think if you... Re- you see the reason yeah. or it's, you know, it's something else. Exactly. So. But no, it... Um, I think with things like this, getting family members who aren't Muslim to kind of open up to it, you have to do it so slowly and gently Mm. and just kind of break it down to them, not just throw it in their face, just Mm. little steps, you know. Say, for example, you don't go to celebrate Christmas with them, you know, Mm -hmm. one year. You Mm -hmm. go around there to see if they're all right, but you don't, you know, join in with Mm -hmm. the typical festivities like going to Midnight Mass and things like that. Mm. And then it's just slowly breaking in like that and explaining why you're not doing it, um, Mm. you know, and then... You then go on to explain how things in Christianity actually do relate to Islam as well, and it's it's very slow mm. process trying. Yeah, it, it is with people who aren't. Yeah, and the thing is, is we can't beat ourselves up too much. No. You know, we we can, we, are, we can only convey what we can convey. Mm. We can we can start a conversation, or we can show them Islam through our actions. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, is if you know we're talking about you know how to deal with a, a non-Muslim when they're cl- ill or close to dying. Um, w- you know, we can only do our best, and if they mm-hmm. if they pass away and you're unsure whether or not they've accepted Islam, you know, you can't you can't blame yourself. No, you know, it's no. at the end of the day, Allah will open the hearts of whom He will. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, that was actually my next point: is that if they pass away and it was not clear if they understood and accepted, it is permissible to hope that Allah created faith before they died because this is uh, this is easy for Allah. Mm-hmm. You know, so even us just saying a few words that maybe just started them thinking, mm-hmm. that might have led on to them actually thinking of something that triggered in their heart acceptance. Yeah. They, just, they might never they have verbalised it. Life. Yeah, they might never have verbalised yeah. it. They might not have ever externalised it. They might not even have gone so far as to really think about the implications of that. But if it was enough to see that thought in their mind that there is a creator that is there to be worshipped, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that could be enough. Yeah. You know, and this is so easy for our love, subhanAllah, mm-hmm. to do. Yeah. His rahmah is limitless. Yeah. So, yeah. of course. Um, so, and of course, there is also um, certain schools of thought that say that if a non-Muslim dies without having heard or understood the message at all, um, then they are not accountable for the fact that they're of their lack of faith. Um, obviously, this I don't know how widely this is accepted amongst the different schools. Course, yeah. yeah, but um, I know that this is an opinion that has that has been held. Um, and in in the end, we can never conclusively say what a person's fate is in the hereafter. Um, this is in others' hands. Yeah, you know, and who knows what little action in a person's life. Mm. will we'll get them their, their key to Jenna. We just don't know. Yeah, and then, absolutely. 
we have to we also need to look at you know what the quran says mm. um about our um, ties of kinship mm. and about our connections with people and uh, and with, with relatives and especially our parents and when we are told the time and time again we need to respect our parents mm. and, you know and we you know that th- there's uh, uh there are ayats that talk about having mercy on us and on our parents because they raised us as we were children i'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing because mm-hmm. i don't know the actual ayat word for word sorry but um is that is that the du'a that where you can make for your parents about um they looked after us when we were young yes mm. yeah so and it is an ayat yes yes so um and that doesn't specify what the what background what religious belief they have you know it doesn't say no but only but, if, but they only if they're muslims, muslims. yeah <laughs> Uh, yeah. It doesn't say that. And also we're looking at, I, I can't even begin to imagine what it must have been like for the Sahaba who, when they heard the message and they 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 became Muslim and they would have had a huge array of family members mm-hmm. that were not Muslim. Mm. There would have been family members that had not, uh, that had not taken Shahada as well. Uh, when, when and, in face, and in face of, you know, such overwhelming... You know, uh, you know, they had the prophet there. Yes, they had the prophet in front of them. They yeah. still didn't open their hearts. Exactly. I mean, can you imagine? You'd be tearing your hair out. There were. Um, I remember learning about Sirah and about when, once there was the 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 Hijra, uh, to to Medina, and when they first started having um, so they call them battles. They were more like skirmishes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the kind of small low-key exchanges yes, yes. with the Quraysh. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Sahaba had family on the other side. Mm-hmm. They had family of members course. on the other side, yeah. and it was a case of having to 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 know they they were going going into battle against and i think they could have only done that because they had faith exactly i mean can you imagine in today's world trying to going into battle with you know with other people in your family Mm -hmm. you couldn't do that unless you had Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on your side could you absolutely but um so i can't even begin to imagine what Mm. that must have been like Mm -hmm. for them we we from this point of view i think we we've got it for some reverts, it can't be easy. Some mm. reverts lose the love of the family, mm-hmm. love the support, mm-hmm. lose the mm-hmm. support of the family completely. Yep. And while others are fortunate enough to have family along with them, mm-hmm. I'm maybe you know from my point of view, I didn't, I wasn't the first one to be Muslim in the family. My daughter became Muslim the year before me. Mashallah. So it just goes to show that when you're engaged, Allah places in the heart of the person that he created what he wishes. So no amount, if my heart had not been inclined towards Allah, no talking about Islam, no talking about Quran, no talking about faith in general, would have turned me to Islam. Mm. Allah did that. So you have to look at it from that point of view. So I also see it from the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, actually, I wanted to bring in um, one of the relevant verses from Quran. Um, And this is directed more at ourselves rather than the ill or or person who's close to, to dying. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed to our prophet when his beloved uncle Abu Talib died without accepting Islam. Truly, you do not guide whom you love. 
but rather Allah guides whom he wills and he knows best about who is upon guidance and that's Quran uh, 2856 mm-hmm. um, and I think that just kind of you know this was told to our prophet mm-hmm. you know his time of grief and he must have you know I mean you, the frustration we have at trying to get our family to to accept Islam this is the prophet yeah. mm-hmm. the perfect mm-hmm example of islam and he couldn't get his own beloved uncle to accept islam basically yeah. was his father figure and raised them and, yeah you know oh i mean yeah. you just you your mind just go you just can't imagine can you and that even our beloved prophet couldn't turn him to islam his uncle, his uncle was, was a fierce protector of him mm-hmm. and he protected them before and after revelation and uh, that he would do any of that, he would lay his life on the line of course. for him, but he would not take shahada. And yeah. it's just, what can you do? Yeah, it what does just show do? that it is all in, you know, the Kerala. Mm. You know, it is all in Allah's will, it's what mm-hmm. he wills for you. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's why what the point I was trying to make earlier about, you know, we can't blame ourselves. We can, obviously, you know, we, we should do our part, mm-hmm. we should show them Islam as best as we can. But at the end of the day, if their heart is closed, their heart is closed. Yeah. And there's nothing we can do. There's um, one other thing that's quite important to that. Um, Muslims, who, well, new Muslims who have lost loved ones, they're often told, well, you're not allowed to pray for them. You're not allowed mm. to do any of this. So basically, uh, is out of sight, out of mind. They are, they died uh, in Kufr and mm-hmm. therefore their place is in Jahannam and you yeah. should wash your hands off them. And that is, it's all very well and good for someone who's been Muslim all their life and they don't have to even think about making a choice or mm-hmm. making a decision about that sort of thing. But to tell someone who's become Muslim to be told, you should wash your hands of your mother, yeah, yeah. wash your hands of your father, yeah. wash your hand of your siblings. Mm-hmm. We're human, how can we do that? Yeah, it's true, because the thing is, regardless of Muslim or not, that you know, us as Muslims, when we pray, that gives us peace. Yeah. And if mm-hmm. someone's telling us you can't pray for them, or you just can't even think about them, you know, they're gone, it's their fault they're not Muslim, then how are you supposed to grieve? How are you supposed to feel? You're just going to have all this emotion built up inside mm-hmm. and nowhere to put it. And it, yeah, it's, there's always ways, you know, even if someone does pass away, you know, being a non Muslim, there are ways, you know, just to at least think of them and hope that there is that little tiny bit. You know, faith in their head or Mm-mm. just anything. It, yeah, it's a really touchy, difficult subject, actually. And actually, you know, one of the things that I feel I would like to come out of today's discussion is that as a new Muslim, you know, obviously we have family who are non-Muslims and then if they pass away, we still hurt just as much as everyone else. Yeah. And if then we are kind of shunned by the community as such because... Uh, you know, oh, your your mum passed away, or but she wasn't a Muslim, so therefore, you know, we'd do nothing about it, basically. Yeah. Because and I and I hate to think that it's not it's not for a lack of compassion. I wonder actually if it's because they just don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know how to deal with that. They've that, never had to be in a situation where a non-Muslim has passed away. Yeah, that they know, care about. Them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for us, it's you know. Um, it's heartbreaking because then you're on your own. 
I mean, yeah. it's you know, I mean, I know we all do this journey for ourselves and we're on our own anyway and we die, you know, we're on our own. But to have our newly embraced community, you know, not even acknowledge the passing of, of you know, whoever it is that's mm. been close to you mm-hmm. is absolutely heartbreaking, you know, because you're already trying to deal with all these emotions and grief and, yeah. you know, they weren't Muslim, what's going to happen and your own grief. But then also to not be supported in that moment either is just... Yeah, and yet we, we think about of, uh, um, Allah being, um, being Al-Latif mm-hmm. and his Rahma, he has Rahma for us, Mercy. for his mm-hmm. creation. Mm-hmm. He has, and it, if the Rahma he shows in our lives in this dunya is such it's but a, is grand, a fraction yeah, but a of, small uh, yeah, grain of, of sand uh, of what Allah's Rahma mm. is mm-hmm. it's limitless it's boundless mm. and imagine what he's saving it for if he's saving it for the day of judgment then anything is possible mm. absolutely oh Sorry. That's okay. No, we knew we knew this could happen. That yeah. it's uh it is it's a tough subject, but like we said, you know, this is something so important to us and um you know, we we do need to talk about this because we need the support of our community actually. Yeah. You know, um I wasn't really going to talk about my own experience, but I lost my sister and you know, when I think okay, when I got married, I had 300 people at my wedding. I mean, most of them were my in-laws, so they were the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. And when my sister passed, four people came to see me. And I and I just think, why? Yeah. Why? Why? You know, I can only think it's because they didn't know how to deal with that. They mm-hmm. thought, okay, this is a non. Her sister's passed. She wasn't Muslim. What do we do with that? And rather than say anything unkind, they just did nothing. said nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, I just think, ouch, <laughs> you yeah. know, I you know, for me, for, for all of us, losing someone is the toughest, toughest thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have the benefit of faith, like I said. Mm-hmm. So at least we understand death, but still the mm-hmm. grief, you know, we need support. And yeah. I just, you know, for me, this is something that I really want to make clear to the listeners, you know, out there that if you have a new Muslim friend, and some they're going through something like this please do support them you know mm. and of course Luton Revert Group are here um, you know just on an up note if anyone mm. needs some support Luton Revert Group are here but you know it, we can't do everything and we might not have access you know we might not be aware so if you know someone you know your friend whose mum's just passed you know be there for them because you know we are all human and we need that support yeah, it's just that little chat and just mm. making sure you're right and you're, you know, in your head and your feelings, making sure that you're not thinking anything stupid. And even even that bit of reassurance that yeah. you know Allah's mercy is boundless. Mm. So who knows what was in that person's heart when they died? Yeah. We don't know. So don't you know? Don't tear yourself up and beat yourself up about that. So, ladies, what a show. But um, I think there's been some really interesting points that have come out of today. And I hope that the listeners have got some benefit from hearing um, from our experiences. um, Because, you know, uh, the new new Muslims do have 
like I said, their own baggage. But, you know, when it comes to death, there's a whole other dimension too. And, uh, you know, just to be, last parting words is, you know, be there and support the new Muslims as much as you can, um, especially if they are grieving. So um, it's time to sign off, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, inshallah, we'll be back next month. And inshallah, sign up for the 14th of December, please, dear listeners. Okay. And I shall sign off now. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We stream our daily broadcast on inspirefm.org. You'll find all our daily updates on our social media at inspirefmluton.org.